Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two one hundred in the second inning. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Welcome to Off The Block Swimming Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Cox, joined once again by Mr. Bobby Hurley, commentator for World Aquatics, former world record holder, super coach over there in Singapore. Bobby, how you going, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, Robbie. I uh, had an enjoyable week in Doha, so busy as always, and then straight back to the grind, coming back to, to Singapore and coaching life and all the big meets coming up in Feb and March. Yeah, well, how, how was Doha? Like, we're going to get to the swimming in a second and obviously your commentary, which I got lots of rave reviews about, by the way, about <laughs> your great work over there. But what did you get time to go out, have some dinners? Did you get any of the any of the Doha lifestyle and food? And you know? uh, um, It was definitely enjoyable, like, from a from a swimming point of view. We talked about the, the racing. Um, it was a bit more unpredictable. And then everything around that, like, the Middle East, you get you get treated pretty well there, you know. So we're at uh, St. Regis Hotels, probably the most luxurious hotel I've ever been to. Yeah. Uh, with the best breakfast buffet I've, I've ever seen. Uh, so I, I definitely took advantage of that. They had a, a smashed avocado station. So like a like smashed avocado with yeah. all the ingredients, onion, tomato, salt, all the spices, and you did it yourself. You know how like a lot of hotels have an omelette station or a salad yeah. Yeah, station? Yeah, yeah. And Regis had a smashed avocado station. So that was cool. And um, just catching up with, with you know, the World Aquatic staff and a lot of coaches that I only see really once a year now. Um, and obviously bigger things on on their mind for a lot of these people. But uh, the, the World Aquatic staff, the old FINA staff who are based in Switzerland, they're guys that I've got to know pretty well over the last five years. And, um, you know, this is the biggest week of of the in the calendar for them, putting on uh, hosting you know, two-week championships across six sports. So they're, they're working hard. They're, they're away from home for four weeks. Um, you know, they want to get rewarded with, uh, with with everything that Doha's got to offer and, and catching up with the contractors like myself coming in. So it's always good to see those boys. You know, your, your lead commentator, Mike McCann, who does a great job as well, do you spend much time with him outside of it or is it more like because of a marriage, like because you see each other that much <laughs> when you get off the like, out of commentary, you're like, all right, let's just have some time apart now? Because you two would sit together and, and talk a lot over the week. Yeah. No, certainly, you know, um, breakfast every day, bus rides, we're hanging out. Um, you know, we're getting to the pool two hours before finals, going through the start list together highlighting different things on, on the extended start list and, and chatting. So we spent heaps of time together, but Mike's, um, you know, Mike's taught me everything that he's learned over his 40 year career in, in TV and radio. Um, and he's exactly like my dad. So it just feels <laughs> like, I'm, you know, in terms of all the, the little tips that they give you and things that you're doing right and doing wrong. Um, and he's about that same age. So yeah, he's pretty easy to hang out with. Oh, very nice. Well, yeah, you guys did a great job, mate. And I, I don't know if you know, but um, Channel Nine picked up that 
coverage as well. So it was it was on the the Nine Now app and mm. all that sort of stuff. And so uh, it was accessible for a lot of people, which sometimes isn't as easy to find your uh, Poppy's live feed, as I always say. But it wasn't Poppy's <laughs> live feed this time. Um, but it yeah. was more accessible. So yeah, lots of people um, mentioning that you guys absolutely killed it, which you did. And I want to give you props on one thing, and and this is something you know. I don't know how many people pick this up. When uh, Mr. Peter Pan himself, it's not actually named Peter, but Pan broke the world <laughs> record 46-8 in that relay, I'm going to put it on, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say not many other people would have picked up that that was on as quickly as you picked up that it was on and it could have been happening. Um, and and yeah. a tip of the cap to you, sir, on that because that just made that race and the moment a lot more exciting Whereas I'm going to say for some other people, they might have let that fly under the radar until later when they touched and went, wait, that's actually really fast. But you were on to that almost into the first turn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they let him they let him off. And I thought, why are they, why are they going to lead him off when most teams, I guess at this World Championships, there wasn't a lot of depth, right? So a lot of, yeah. a lot of big names had to swim relay heats um, and a lot of countries like Italy, uh, as may, being the main one, they swam the same order for heats and finals just to practice those changeovers, um, make the heats safely. And if you put your big gun on the anchor in the morning, then they can just chill and just do what do enough that's required. So Pan anchored in the heat, went 48-2, and China got like fourth in that heat. Like didn't do anything spectacular, didn't look great, yep. swimming from behind, didn't overtake anybody. Uh, which is so you know that raised a few eyebrows. Like, okay, this forty-six-nine flat start guy's just gone a forty-eight-two relay. You know, like if yeah. if he was Australian, people would be treading him. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they lead him off at night. I'm like, well, this is interesting. And then I knew he was next to uh, Serbia, and he was going to demolish their anchor, uh, uh, their leadoff. Sorry, in lane seven. So I knew he'd get some clean water. So I just said to myself, like. Let's just double check that number. Mm. Um, and I was like, 4686, just to make sure that it's in my head. Yep. And then, you know, that, that call I think is really good because as Mike hands it over to me at about 40 meters, I said, yeah. wow, he's taking it out aggressive. And then he turns and it's 22 2. Mm. Like that's flying from a guy with a renowned back end. So that's when I knew it was, was on and you could hear my voice lift a little bit. And then if you watch that, like I've watched that race a few times, he's two and a half metres clear of guys going 47, you know? Yeah. Like, guys going 47.9, he just put over a body length on him. Uh, you know, that's the first time I've seen a 46 in the flesh and mm. it's fast. <laughs> well, especially even the way he finished it, if you you know, the way, the, the efficiency in which he, he was pulling away towards the end, as you said, like, those other guys are going fast, but, you know, he, he, he didn't miss a beat at the back end of mm. that. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to make sure I gave you credit, mate, because as I said, like a lot of people would have picked it up eventually, like, oh, that's fast. And in the mo middle of the rest of the relay, they would have been talking about it, but you, know, you were on to that. And I think it's past you, Bobby Hurley. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, um, Pan swim, he swims a lot like James Magnuson, actually. No one's really made that comparison before, but a really low breath to the point where you can't even see their mouth come out. Yep. Uh, breathing twos, whole back is out of the water. So swims with really low resistance, got a great back end as well. So it just must be in that is is 19, just that age where that speeds come through. Um, like Maggie had no speed when he was 18 and it came through at 19 and 20. The back end's still there, um, the stroke's there. And, you know, 
they should be able to go that 47 mid to low whenever they need to to do it. So, um, you know, that's going to be a good race. I'm sure we're going to talk about it coming up uh, at the Olympics. But, uh, you know, that that's exactly what the World Championships needed was a world record on day one mm. to really just pop this off and just let everybody in the swimming world know, like, the World Champs is on and it's fast. You know, the rest of the meet obviously didn't quite live up to that. Yeah. In terms of world records, but it was good that it was good to see one world record, and it came, uh, you know, on the on the right day. Well, we'll get to it now, just because it's an easy transition to the hundred final. He, he managed to get himself across the line, nowhere near that time. What, what did mm. you make of that? Is it just the pressure moment in terms of individually getting up, and maybe it not being as as relaxed and as freeing as that? Uh, lead-off relay swim was? Did, what did you, in terms of just observing, notice, did he swim it any differently? So I said he managed to still get the job done, but 47.5 is a long way from yeah. 46.8 and a world record. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I I was pretty excited. I thought, I, I think I called in the pre-show, like he's got the ability to go like 46.6, you know, if he can yeah. get that sort of swim that he had in the relay. But obviously that final shows... And it happened with Popovich in Budapest as well, really quick in the semi. And he had big guys, like physically big guys, like Moresi from Italy, six foot eight. Mm-hmm. Um, they go out, they go out with you, they go out fast. You know, Chalmers is the same sort of thing, six foot six. They create a big wave. Popovich and Pan are not physically big guys, not yet. They're probably 85 kilos, and these other guys are close to 100 plus. Yeah. Moresi would be over 100 kilos, right? And they go out fast, put the pressure on, um, and it's just it's just tough. It's just tough. Like no one gets handed a hundred freestyle gold medal. It's one of the mm-hmm. toughest gold medals to to get because no one's really capable of blowing them away through that first fifty or so. Dressel can because of how good his start is, but the hundred free now compared to pre Tokyo, pre Tokyo was Dressel Chalmers. Now you add in Popovich, Pan, and and even Grusay and Moresi that. You know, it might take forty-seven five to make the final, forty-seven yeah. six to make the final, which is incredible. But you know, the other stat to come out of it was the women's hundred free was a relay leadoff as well. Sarah Sochan's fifty-one seven, that was a relay leadoff that wasn't done in a big time final. Um, you know, when again when when Magnuson bursts under the scene in his in Shanghai, that was a relay leadoff, and he swam slightly slower in the final. So there's a bit of a theme going on there that um, not only do you have your teammates behind you just to make you a bit more relaxed, but generally that that lead-off, it's not as quick as 100 free final. So if you can front-end it and get some clean water, um, it's, a, I guess, a faster way to swim. So, you know, that 100 free in Paris is going to be going to be mouth-watering. You've got the, the four fastest guys, basically the four fastest guys in history, two teenagers and Dressel's the Olympic champion and Chalmers is the world champion and we know what, what what Kyle can do in those big moments. So I still I still really favor Kyle. Like we don't know what form Dressel's gonna come out in this year. You know, the next couple of months will be interesting in the lead up to Olympic trials because he's gonna need a race. He's gonna need to get himself in uh race mode mentally and, and physically. And then we also know that Kyle's capable of 47-0, 47-1 in any race in any big final. It doesn't matter. So that I I don't think it's no one's going to break the world record in the Olympic final. Maybe in the relay leadoff, maybe in the Olympic semis, but I think 47-1 wins that final, but it's going to be a dogfight. Yeah, I think we've touched on it before um, when we always sort of give the nod a little bit more to Kyle in those big races is because 
He's very rarely a long way off his very best, where some of these other guys, when the pressure gets applied, can maybe overthink the race a little bit, and we'll talk about that a little bit later too with some of the other races through the week where potentially the the pressure of the moment um, got to people and we overthought things and overdid things. But Kyle seems to know his race. He doesn't change from that. He knows he's probably not going to go a 46.8, but he also knows... He might not need to go a 46.8. He's just mm. going to do his job, um, which, again, as we said, is going to make that Olympic final um, all the more exciting because we know what sort of a racer he is. Speaking of Kyle, have you been? are you going to get those shoes, the yellow shoes of his? Already got them. Did you? <laughs> got them and I said, mate, you've got to sign these before you post them off. Did you really? Oh, so, yeah. you go. No, okay. I'm, I'm a big I'm a big. Uh, kicks collector with Jordans and Kobe's over the years. Yeah. Don't, don't have too many now, but um, definitely to get to get a KC signature shoe, why not? You could run around at night with those too, and people see you coming. You don't have to worry <laughs> about. You don't have to worry. Well, about I think it. they'll be like they're, they're fluoro yellow, so I think they'll yeah. look good with the Australian team Olympic tracksuit if he's able to uh, to wear them behind the block. Yeah. I don't know what what the rules are, or if, or if the whole team can wear them. They're pretty cool. Were they expensive? Well, I've, I've haven't looked into them. Are they expensive or what? what? 149, so pretty good in terms of a pair. That's of reasonable for sure. Yeah, All yeah. Right, there you go, everyone. Get yourself around it. I think that are they limited edition? I don't think he's just going to keep this thing rolling out, is he? Yeah the the shoe itself is limited, and I think the first hundred get a signed card from from Kyle himself. So first hundred get a little present, and then the shoe itself is is limited as well. Everything's yeah, but, limited these days. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. hype. So they say it's limited. Then you're like, hey, <laughs> hey! It's like when people do a final tour. This is my last tour ever, and then the mother truckers come back again. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, just having a look at the medal tally through the week, Bobby. Uh, United States finished on top with eight gold, six silver, six bronze. China. I thought China had a, a great week, which mm. I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on. Um, seven gold, three silver, uh, and one bronze. The Aussies finished third. I thought again. Um, for the team that we sent over, did a, a tremendous job. Three gold, nine silver, uh, and four bronze. And Netherlands actually swam really well as well. And not that it's surprising because they've always they've had a great history of of, of tremendous performers. Um, but I, I thought that was a good showing through them through the week. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, the US got twenty medals, so you know, again, like Australia, a, a condensed team. Um, there were some good and, and bad performers from from them as well. I think Australia, I think we did pretty good to get 16 medals, a lot of silvers, um, a lot behind China as well. Uh, but, you know, three gold medals, which were probably two of them were, were pretty unexpected, but mm. good to see the Australians regularly on the podium. I've got to remember at Fukuoka, they got 13 golds, so they converted more opportunities. They probably only got 25 medals in Fukuoka and 16 here, so it's, it's a pretty good overall medal tally. Um, but yeah, China were the big talking point, seven goals. So they converted more of their opportunities. I think they only got 11 or 12 total medals, but seven goals and four in the relays. That's, that's insane. Like they yeah. won, um, both the men's four by one and four by two with the same four swimmers and one of them 16, like mm -hmm. they are, they're really moving. Um, and the bigger thing from China was they, you know, they got a couple of, I guess, uh, foreign coaches there. So Dennis Cottrell's there working closely with the team again. Pierre Lafontaine as well. Those guys now are not afraid to 
put their face on TV in a Chinese shirt. Uh, you see them hugging the athletes after they get their medals, taking photos. Uh, the Chinese team were giving interviews in English, so they're a lot more open team. They, it, it seems like they do want to share their story a little bit more with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only are they performing well in the pool, but their guys are their guys are all six foot three, six foot four, walking around pool deck with flashy shoes and mm-hmm. you know fancy little little things like that. Like they yeah. got a little bit of swagger there. They're fist pumping behind the blocks, flexing, screaming. Like so, it's a different it's a different um, uh, vibe coming from the Chinese team. Like they definitely feel that they belong. Mm-hmm. They believe. Um, they've got the right mix of local and foreign coaches and the times that they were doing from some of their swimmers and their younger swimmers are, are really impressive. Yeah, well, the word I, I have in my mind, which you just mentioned I picked up on, is just depth with the Chinese swimmers. Like they've always had swim, but at the moment there's, there's so much depth. That, that 16-year-old uh, in, the, yeah. in the final, he went final leg in the relay, right? Yeah, the 4 by 2 is last leg. Um. Yeah, just phenomenal. He, he was he was the one that was getting chased down by the Korean swimmer. Yeah. So he's got. So he jumps in. He jumps in in front. He's got Wang Sun Wu's the two hundred yeah. champion coming at him, who flew through the first one fifty, mm. and they got the US on the outside lane as well. So they're all in a line, and they're literally breathing towards each other. So you got the world champ, yeah, and the sixteen-year-old Chinese kid who's at his first world championships going eye to eye. And he just found that kick in the last 15 meters, and he's got a massive leg kick behind him, mm. long arms, and and touched him out. Like that's that could be the making of Zhang. His surname Zhang. I forget what his first name is, but yeah. he was in the 200 IM final. He was on both relays that won gold. Uh, he's been like he swims the 800 and 1500 as well. He swam the 1500 heats. that looked like he didn't want to be there, but he's got <laughs> really incredible range. Yeah. So I'd say they'll probably focus more like 400 down with him, the IM and the free. And, I mean, he's still a 48-600 free split as well in the relay. So he's, that's somebody who ticks a lot of boxes at 16. Yeah, well, the depth, as I said, is incredible. And, and that was just impressive to watch. You've got the 200 um, world champion. He, the Sung Woo won the 200, didn't he? So he was chasing yeah. him down. Yeah. And he just, you know, like it's another day in, at the office, just, <laughs> just held him off. That's, yeah. That speaks volumes, I think, to the potential of, of that young man in uh, China, definitely. If they weren't already on the radar, which they were on yours a long time ago in terms of this year and the trajectory, but uh, if they weren't already in terms of the US and the Australian teams, I think they're well and truly um, one of the teams that are looking at the Olympics and I think they're going to be yeah. uh, red hot. We, we mentioned the Aussies in some of those medals, mate. Sam Williamson in the 50 breaststroke, Isaac Cooper in the 50 backstroke. Um Tremendous performances. I, I think, you know, Isaac Cooper's been thereabouts, um, especially uh, recently with his 50 backstroke performances. And, and I think he made the final in the fly, uh, fly or free. Mm. Um, Both. But yeah. And, but Sam Williamson is just a, a swimmer who's just hitting his stride at the right time, progressing through. Yeah. Tremendous tech. Like he, he held his timing and his technique. Which for breaststrokers in a fifty is so hard to do because your timing is everything, but you want to get on the wall quick so the contender rush it and slip it. He just held it so well. What what did you pick up from watching those guys live? They they both got massive arms when they flexed after winning goals, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like they were 
full pump on the lane rope. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't know Sam was so jacked actually. Uh, so so good good photos and good memories for Sam and, and Isaac. Yeah. But it's more. I mean, we'll, we'll break it down individually, but more that three gold medals for Australia, two in form stroke individual fifties, which Australia never even used to take seriously. They never picked anybody for that. Yeah. And and guys winning that. Mm. Um, you know how many how many fifty meter world champions have we ever had besides McAvoy last year? Like name the last one. Yeah, tell me on the male side. We, women, yeah, for sure. Kaylee, um, you know Campbell's, uh, everybody, Emma at the Olympics. But on the guys' side, we've never had sprinters like that. So mm. Sam doing it in that fifty breast final was was pretty clutch. Like he had a huge semi, went quicker in the final. Is up against Petey. And three Olympic medals: Kaminga, Martinengi, Nick Fink. Like that's a pretty that's a pretty loaded breaststroke. Was really stacked this week, except yeah. for Chin from China, the world champion. But all the other events were everybody else was there, so it was pretty stacked. So Sam's getting a good reputation of um, being quick, obviously at the fifty, but having that pacing strategy right for the hundred as well. He had some good relay splits and fifty nine two, I believe it was individually in the hundred. So. He's going to be right there, and you know Australia's really on the lookout for a male sprint breaststroker. Um, Double to Cook's got to get his hundred down again, and they should be vying for that relay spot because we need uh, a strong male breaststroker not only for the medley relay but the mixed medley relay. That's mm. the non the non negotiable is that you need a male breaststroker because breaststroke being the slowest stroke, males have uh, a bigger advantage over females in breaststroke than any other stroke. So we need yeah. someone going. 58.5 or better on that relay if we want to compete with China, the US, and Great Britain, who coincidentally have the three fastest male breaststrokers over 100 metres in the world in history. So mm-hmm. um, so that's good signs. And then with with Isaac, like, he's really dialed in on those 50s since Fukuoka. Uh, he, he came out and he said he's dropped the 100 backstroke. He's all in on the 50 freestyle and using the flying and, and back, 50 back, just to uh, practice a that sprint training and get more racing under his belt. And then he was, I think he was a little bit flattened, I would say, by his 53. He consolidated his performance last year. He was in that world final again, fourth in the fly, where, you know, there was a, definitely, it was so close that he thought maybe he could get on the podium. And he just relaxed. He's got a carefree attitude when it comes to his backstroke. He hits the lane rope like multiple times in a one lap of backstroke. Doesn't seem to worry him or slow him down. And he's in his 24 one, he's, Taken point three off his uh, Australian record, and he wins world champs by point two of a second. So that was a big, I think, coming of age for Isaac, especially after what happened at Melbourne uh, Short Course Worlds when he won the fifty back, but the race had that starting malfunction, that big controversy there, mm-hmm. and they reran the race, and he got silver behind Ryan Murphy. And obviously, that's a remarkable achievement. But after winning the initial race, he was he was pretty disappointed and yeah. capped off that capped off a, a tough twenty twenty two, but. He certainly rebounded in the right way. And, I mean, I'm going to say what everybody else in Australia is going to say is that we need to see Isaac Cooper do a 100 backstroke as well. He's 24-1 in the 50 world champion. Surely he can go sub-53. And then that puts us, again, with Sam. If you go Cooper going 52 high, Sam going 58-5, and then you've got Temple and Chalmers bringing that relay home, uh, like that's a tough team to beat. Yeah, oh, 100%. Um... And and definitely that's going to give him confidence looking down the track. Um, 
not that the other swims weren't great, but that gold medal and the flex, as you said, he's going to grow in confidence, getting <laughs> confidence that his, his training's on the right track and everything's heading in the right direction, which, um, you know, can be, can be different. We've, we've discussed on here before about the different methodologies in training and sprint training and got that sprint revolution going on. When you do um, have these performances, it almost sort of confirms to you, all right, well, we're on the right track and we, we're doing a good job here. We always want to believe those things, Bobby, but sometimes you need a little a ray of light. And I think hopefully for Isaac, this is that ray of light that, oh, no, no, I'm on the right track and I've just got yeah. to keep working. You're probably right in terms of the 100 back. That's obviously going to be a conversation with his coach and, and the Australian team in terms of what the team needs looking ahead, um, whether he's excited about that idea or not. I'm not too sure, but definitely the team's going to need yeah. a lead off and a, and a fast one. It's more like their success in those 50s has come from targeted training for that as well. Um, everyone knows what's going on with, with the sprint stuff right now and it's, it's definitely taken a keen interest of, of a lot of coaches and athletes. But, I mean, you know, I won the 50 back at short course 2012, um, basically training for the 100 back 200 freestyle. You know, never wore a parachute, never did any resistance work, um, never – specifically trained underwater kick speed. It was all that underwater kick endurance for 100 back or that last turn of a 200. Um, and you come down into the 50 and, and just race and hope you have a good one, you know. Yeah. But maybe that's why you're a little bit more relaxed for that for that race that you don't train for as well. Yeah. Whereas now these guys are actually training 50-meter specific speeds at resistance, at body weight, at stroke rate, and they're getting the results. So, you know, it might have been a long time coming for the Australian men, but, the talent and the speed and the strength is certainly there. So I, I think that that's something that a lot of programs uh, in Australia can, can really learn from. Yeah, well, yeah, the boys definitely stood up. It's something we mentioned on the, the preview podcast was um, the Aussie team looked light on the on the men's side heading over there, but they certainly um, performed well and above. Um, not to be outdone, mate, the, the women uh, did a phenomenal job from the Aussie team, Brenna Throssell, Shana Jack. Um also, the the youngins that went over there on debut, Iona Anderson and Jacqueline Barclay, had mm. uh, great meets and, and no doubt would have got tremendous experience uh, with the Australian team and, and those swimmers that have been there and done that, like Shana, Jack and Brianna, taking them under their wing and, and um, you know, rooming with them and all those sort of great experiences. They did tremendously as well. How do you see the, the opposite side for the Aussie team with the girls? Yeah, yeah, super positive uh, with the backstroke girls getting three silvers between them behind, you know, Curzon in all of them, three golds, PBs for, for the American Curzon. So that's good for her. It's, you know, doesn't move the needle, as they're saying, in terms of world backstroke swimming on the women's side with uh, Kaylee and Regan Smith, but uh, really good for, for Curzon to get the winning feeling. Then Iona was awesome, like PBs in both finals, the 50 and the 100. It looked like she was going to win the 50 as well. Uh, she's got a good start, but not the best start. But she can follow a race plan and she can finish off really strongly in that in that hundred. And then uh, Jacqueline got better as the week went on as well. She was fourth in the hundred PB again, seventeen at your first you know world championships. And then in the two hundred, she does a PB in the final of one point seven seconds. Mm. Like that's a good PB for any seventeen year old out there, let alone when you're basically number two in the world right now down to 2070. So uh, 
it seemed to me that the St. Peter's crew definitely came to Doha in in pretty heavy work. They came from that training camp, no rest. They didn't miss a race. They didn't. They swam heats. Uh, poor old Shana had relays, three two hundreds, three one hundreds, and three fifties. So Boxer wasn't letting them off anything. Yeah. Um, and as I guess probably as the eight days went on, someone like Shana got a little bit more speed at the back end, and she almost PB'd in a fifty freestyle. She was on the podium in the hundred, but Shana must have had 12 to 14 swims. Like Brianna must have had 15 or 16 swims, cracks the podium for the first time as well. So there's podium, uh, there's a lot of positives there for, for their training group, um, not in, in full, uh, not having a full taper, of course. Um, so yeah, I think it was, it was good. There's obviously probably on the women's side, like with their relays and with how much talent is still back in Australia, like we can't over analyze those depth positions, you know, mm. uh, who's going to be on what relays and the four by one getting silver. I think everybody performs as, as expected, you know, no one was ever, Shane was never going to go there and do a 53 PV, you know, in season, but to be close to your PV after so many swims uh, in a big time final, you know, I think that's um, still positive for someone who's definitely capable of being on, on the podium in Paris individually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, one of the boys that we didn't talk about, um, Cam McAvoy, who uh, got a bronze in the 50 fly, um, did a tremendous job in that. I think the Portuguese boy, Ribeiro, won that. Um, yeah. And, that, and seemingly, you know, flying through the heats and the semis in terms of it just looked like it was, it was his to lose because he was just so quick. Uh, then we get to the final, uh, and it didn't quite pan out that way. You were there. Um, it's not necessarily – I'm sure he's probably a little bit disappointed, but it's not the end of the world, but probably lessons to be learned to take away. Mm. How did you see that from from someone who was on deck and watching and probably definitely would have been watching intently, that's for sure, given yeah. our bold predictions and what we were looking at? Yeah. Well, I was, I was as shocked as everybody. There's that, that video on Instagram with split screen, which is uh, – <laughs> which is a genuine reaction. Um, but, yeah, for Cam, like, you know, the the first thing that came into my mind was better now than in Paris, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. maybe that's uh, the loss that you need you need to have uh, just to put that chip back on your shoulder over the next six months. Um, and, and also the way in which it, which it happened and some of his comments after the race where he's just flat after an eight-day week and, and it's the first time he's been slower from heat to semi to final and that their plan going in was to go max in every single race, the three butterflies and three freestyles, and see how that holds him up. Um, and obviously that made him a lot more tired than he has in previous years and previous world championships, but he's under a different program. He's at a different point in his career. And the people that beat him or are on that podium, Ben Proud came the day before the 53 and just swam 350s. You know, he doesn't yeah. do that. In Olympic year, Ben doesn't swim the 50 fly. Um, Sarah on the women's side, she came, she only did, she only made it a three day meet. She gets two gold medals in three days, but <laughs> yeah. Sarah's world record holder in the 100 free and the 100 fly. And again, going into a third Olympic, fourth Olympic, she's go, nah, I'm just going to do the 50s and I'm just going to condense my program. Mm-hmm. So I think that's for a lesson, a lesson there for, for Cam and Tim. They definitely experimented to see what they could get from these world championships. So they got two individual medals. Cam got his second fastest time ever, 21-1. But, yeah, it wasn't the gold and it wasn't the the icing on the cake. But um, both of those guys are definitely smart enough to 
figure out um, those little little changes and tinkering a little bit with that um, that prep and that race prep leading into the Olympics. Um, Bukov, though, the Ukrainian kid that that won, you know, that was a surprise to see his improvement curve. But uh, you know, he's last off the start. He's got a five-five start, whereas you know most others are a five-two or a five-one. Yeah. And and his last five or ten meters is is barnstorming. You know, and he breathes. He breathes twenty-five. <laughs> so the the potential from somebody like that. There's yeah. so much improvement there but obviously that's it's always harder to to get that done versus uh versus okay he's really good at what he's doing do you just keep going with that or do you try and get him to go no breath you 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 work put more emphasis on that underwater kick and that dive and breakout or whatnot um that's you know the questions for him and his coach but he swam um Vladislav Bukov so he swam a swim off for ninth last year in Fukuoka so he tied ninth with uh no tight eight sorry so you had to swim off with ryan held and him yeah and held's ryan held's got like a caleb dressel start mm-hmm. like best in the world five five one oh something like this and book of they, they dive in and, and book like this 14 year old kid doing a dive for the first time comes up <laughs> over a body length behind five he said five seven was his start last year so it's, it's improved point two but five seven and he went 21 seven oh and almost beat Hell. I think Hell was 21-6 and then he ended up getting that spot in the final. But what I saw him, yeah, about seven months ago go 21-7-0 off a teenage boy dive. I was like, wow, that's uh, it's probably a 21 low if somebody can get that right. So um, yeah, big surprise, but you know, with Dressel still to come back into it, Manadu, Fratis, which is the Olympic podium from last year, it's going to be a quick, it's going to be a quick 50 in a uh, in Paris for sure. Yeah, and again, just, you know, circling back to the stuff we talk about, um, performing under pressure, there is no more difficult event than a 50-metre in terms of execution on your start, on your underwater, on your breakout, on your breathing, on your finish, on on all of these certain things. So um, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day who's got the fastest time on paper when you go into that final because... As we've yeah. seen, as we've seen a thousand times, uh, races aren't done on paper. So that's what's going to make it exciting: is that not necessarily the world's fastest swimmers might win these races. It's who is able to execute under pressure. Um, interestingly, yeah. Bobby, um, the the American women, um, I thought did a pretty good job over there, but the men's side maybe not not as strong. What do you think about that? Yeah. The- the American team, they, they really only sent two of their really gun women, that being um, Kate Douglas and Claire Curzon, so who, who aren't uh, racing in college this year. So they both train at Virginia now. With Todd DeSorbo, he's, he's got the Walsh sisters as well, so he's probably got the best crop of, of women in the US. Um, and they were good. They did their job. Douglas is amazing. Like PB in the 200 IM, she, she could probably scare that world record in Paris and she was on breaststroke podiums and then went 23-9 in the 53 as well. So mm. super versatile. And we spoke about her and she didn't win the four or five gold medals that we thought, but she got one and, and two minors as well. So, um, and again, she probably lost the turn breaststroke where she was favourite going in, but lessons learned. And she's she was in Tokyo and got, got an individual medal, but now she's she's the one that people are hunting down. So mm. that's something that she's got to take away from that. I was going to say the that to you. Side. Sorry, sorry to 
break your train yeah. of thought, but, you know, we did talk about her program and I did watch that 200 breaststroke final um, and it, it did look like it just kind of got to her, but by the end, like, she wasn't able yeah. to sort of lift or do you, what lessons do you think she'll take out of this week potentially too much or different ways to well, go about swam, things? She swam the 100 free beforehand, so that's a direct – a direct double, 100 free, 200 breaths. So you've got to do that double in the heats, yeah. in the semis, and then in the final. So I think it was more to see can she handle the 100 free, which is a pretty stacked field, right? You've got mm-hmm. Siobhan Hawley, Steen Bergen was awesome, and then you've got the Australian girls to come into it too, right right before an event where you're the gold medal favourite. Yeah. Um, so I think Tess Shooting from the Netherlands was swimming well all week. She saw that she's coming in off a second swim, 100 free is a pretty tough event, like lactate-wise as well. Yeah. So you'd be, you're hurting a bit off that coming into a 200 breaststroke. So she's like, I'm just going to go out fast. And if you want the gold medal, you're going to have to overtake me. And, you know, that race was probably over at 100 metres. And Douglas came back but wasn't going to come over a real pure breaststroke swimmer like, yeah. like shooting. And she looked good so too again, in her defence, shooting. She, she, yeah. was, she was looking good. She's like – she's Liesl Jones. She's the most Liesl Jones type of – breaststroker that I've seen yeah. since Liesl. Like they, they call her the penguin over there, just walking with feet out, turned out, and, you know, those people that can barely swim freestyle because their feet are pointing the wrong way. Yeah, they so do just freestyle breaststroker. breaststroke kick and split kicks. And yeah. Kind of... Yeah, so, so you know, Douglas, who's a world-class IM 50 freestyler and um, a lot of lot of other strong breaststrokers these days are multi-event talents, Millie T. Dakin race freestyle and, and whatnot, whereas shooting is like, yeah, Lizard Jones 2.0. Mm-hmm. So watch out. So, yeah, sorry, man, I broke your train of thought. We we didn't quite get to the US men because I, I stopped you, um, which yeah. I try not to do, but, yeah, hit me. Well, the, probably the the big names from the US men didn't fire. Um, Nick Fink was good. He's been super consistent the last couple of years. He, he won the 100 again in a pretty stacked race so he's 30 or 31 he's going to be be there at his peak in in tokyo i'm sorry in paris but probably the three that we thought could be really big stars by the end of this week were carson foster shane cassis and uh and michael andrew and Mm -hmm. between them i think there's one silver medal between them to to carson foster in the 200 im where he was hot favorite and cruised in the in the semis and then just didn't have that extra kick to hold off the Canadian guy in the 200 home final, Finlay Knox winning his first medal at this level, and it's a gold medal. So for sure, I thought Carson Foster would just kill him in the 400 home, right? So he got second behind Marshawn last year, 406. Basically, no one else in that field could break 410. And he's leading at the 300 and just he just stopped. He just really stopped. So he had some awesome freestyle relay spits earlier in the week. And couldn't cap it off in his main events, the IMs. So I don't know if that's that's really mental when it comes to actually winning at this level, or he should be more focused on the 200 free and 200 fly, 200 back, where he's where he's really world class in those individual 200s, but just unable to put it together. And there's there's not going to be a better chance for somebody like that to to become world champion. You know, mm. he's very young, he's he's early in his career, but you're going to have mush on for the next like eight to 10 years. So he's going to be the Lochte to, to Phelps that we saw for so long, but Lochte, he won different races still. Yeah. You know, he beat Phelps occasionally. He was still, 
able to take the opportunities when it presented himself. He's still a world record holder in the 200 IM, but Foster just didn't really grab that. So um, I know the, that was, uh, I guess, with, with the American audience, um, a really big talking point, which we haven't heard anything from Carson Foster or, or mm. um, any fallout from that to see exactly what was what was going on. But um, Shane Cassis probably falls into that as boat as well. Super talented guy, really explosive, six foot five, can do fly, free back, one short course worlds in backstroke a few years ago, coming in as top seed in the hundred fly and didn't make the final, you know. Mm. Um, and for these pros like that, Michael Andrew as well, who's they're all pros, so they're not racing college, they're not focused on on a different college scene. And in the US, they don't get as many chances to race at their top their top level, you know. Olympic trials is in June, which is still a fair way away. To travel all the way to Doha um, as a professional and swim events that you're expected to win and then not be on the podium or not make the final, I think um, they would be walking away from the, these world champions thinking what the hell happened or yeah. they they got to – something was exposed. And we spoke about this in the preview, like a weakness was exposed, but it's up to them and their coach to actually – figure out what that weakness is because I can't figure it out um, from the outside looking in. Yeah, Is it mental? Is it physical? Is it part of the preparation? And then how do we actually get it right when we need to? Because they are people that have performed well domestically. So they could win Olympic trials or post number one time in the world. But come the Olympic final, like I'm still going to have no confidence watching them race. No. Especially someone like Michael Andrews sort of been thereabouts for a while. He's got a bit of a name. People have always been sort of waiting for him to fire. I think people see the potential yeah. that he has, but it just seems to not ever really be realised on a on a bigger stage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Andrew's twenty four now. He looks he's he's been around for, for ten years, so he looks a lot older than that. But again, he's focused on those fifties and he wanted to to medal or win all four of the 50s and you know he, he missed the podium he got a couple of fourth places but times weren't as quick as what he'd been years ago um and there's other events on the program like the 100 breaststroke his pb would have won gold mm. the 200 im his pb would have won by two two and a half seconds at the world championships but he doesn't swim those races he wants to swim the 50s which three of them are non-olympic events so you sort of start to question well what's What's the goal? What's the ambition there? Um, training more towards the 50s and then not getting any PBs as well. Um, so you've got to figure out, again, what went wrong and how to get it, how to make, correct it in the next six months. But what actually went wrong is is a hard question mark to solve. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. And as we've, we've discussed on here many, many times and even on the Shannon Rollison podcast with Shannon, that 50 is the, 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 the margin for error. So you yeah. know, um, whilst it's it's all good that this is what the path they want to go down, um, it comes with a lot more pressure and expectation to be at your very, very best. Um, mate, talk to me about, you know, we've done the 50s and stuff, but, you know, you're a man who likes your distance swimming as well. Um, how, how do they go over there with the, the men's, especially in distance events? We saw Whiffen calling people on yeah. the phone when he's walking out there and calling people on his... <laughs> He's got, he's got his, he's got his, yeah. uh, um, you know, his imaginary phone out there. But um, that was a good one for him to step up. We talked about him in the preview, and that if he yeah. was going to make a mark, now was the time to to get himself up up on the podium. Yeah. How'd you see it over there? Yeah, 
Well, he, he did exactly what was expected of him, you know, uh, coming in as the favourite in both distance events with, with big names around him. Um, and, you know, he's, he's walking the walk, he's talking the talk, he came away with two gold medals, he PB'd in the 1500, he smashed the field. Um, he's taken pretty linear steps to become Olympic champion or, or be right up there, you know, after breaking the short course world record last December. Fourth in both of those races in Fukuoka, he's just getting better, more confident, more um, more self-belief in the way he wants to race. So, you know, he definitely goes in that conversation for gold in the 800 and 1500 in Paris. Um, the 1500, I thought, was was really impressive as well because he could see the names. He, he saw that, you know, Romanchuk, Wellbrock, they're all more 1500 up swimmers now. Mm-hmm. Um they're not in, they don't swim the 400. They weren't in the 800 final. They, they do the 10K. Um, half now it was, was a disappointment and we'll get back to that as well. But Whiffen just, he just went, he just took off at the 100, just locked into his pace. He's really good um, at just consistently holding his pace. And, and he went 14.34.0 like by himself. You know, so if there was somebody else there, probably with three or 400 to go, he could have maybe squeezed another second or two out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's really good, yeah, really good at, at swimming his own race and swimming from in front. Um, and he's going to have to do that, I guess, those races and those times when what I'm expecting in, in Paris is like three or four guys in a line on world record pace with Sam Short, Bobby Fink and, uh, and Half Nui. So, yeah, Whiffen was good. Half Nui was not good in a big way. Um, mm. I, I noted like in the 400 free on day one where he was hot favourite to win, he stepped up on the block. He almost fell in. Like he is so scared. Like he's he's wobbling on the block. He's doesn't stand up straight on the block. He's like a, a ten year old kid at their their first race at the local pool. Yeah. Um, so I thought that's interesting. Like I don't not that I note these things about all swimmers, but I wouldn't have expected the Olympic champion to look so scared on a block. Mm. And he dive in, just overswam his first hundred. And he was dead. He was gone. Missed the final in the big way. And and that was the story of the week for him. So obviously there's it's come out that he's been back in Tunisia. He hasn't been able to consistently train in the US and he moved uh, training locations as well. So this is the sort of stuff that can disrupt the preparation of a distance swimmer on the Olympic year. You know, like he needs to be with his coach, with his training group, training 10 times a week. There's there's not too many ways to uh to make distance swimming training more exciting than than actually getting back to the grind and just doing the work. So um, that, you know, that was big news over here as well, him being Tunisian. But for a guy like Sam Short, they will be watching and Sam might be listening to this podcast as well because I know he's a fan of the show. Mm. Um, You've got to be grinning and going, well, this guy's not at his best. Um, this is probably the biggest threat in three of the three gold medals that, that Sam Short's going to be chasing. Um, so not to say that he can't do it, but his back's against the wall and he's going to have to really figure out a way to do it. Yeah. Whilst Sam's up in Queensland, grinding it out, 10 sessions a week, putting in the work. So um, that should give him even more more fuel. Yeah, 100%. And, and the thing that sort of comes to mind uh, with with both of these swimmers, I guess, is the word inconsistency. Like, you know, Whiffen has got to now go to an Olympic Games and do it on a much larger scale with a much more stronger, uh, you know, final around him. 
Um, no disrespect to the ones that were there. He was able to do it, but the pressure certainly isn't as high as it's going to be. If now we, you know, we, we can't get a read on this guy. Um, you know, he, yeah. he wins an Olympic Games. He, he, he goes away. Um, he, as, as I think we mentioned in the preview, Sam Short, even at the World Champs, didn't really think he would be the one next to him at the back end of that 400. Um, and there yeah. he is. And then obviously he went on to have a, a, a fantastic World Champs there. But now we see this and obviously the inconsistencies in training. One thing I know about Sam is there's not going to be a lot of inconsistency. Yeah. The difference between yeah. his best and his worst is not that big on the day. Um, yeah. So that that's definitely going to play in his in his hands looking ahead to to the Olympics, which yeah. makes it exciting. Um, and and we're for now, hopefully his tail's up and it's race on. But as I said, he's going to have to back that up with yeah. another performance. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. Um, for Whiffen, I don't think he's going to be scared of the moment. He, you saw saw him die. He's, he's pretty confident. He's he's got the invisible you know, phone out. I don't know who he's calling, but he's yeah. calling someone. <laughs> he got the phone out and the watch out. But you know, he's, he's got a YouTube channel. He's yeah. trying to get some content. He's making a name for himself, and there's no bigger stage than, than the Olympics. Let's get him on. Let's get him on. And have a chat with him, Bobby. Yeah, yeah. I, I met him down there for the first time, and you know, he's a pretty pretty normal guy. Yeah. Um, pretty down to earth so i'm sure i'd be happy to have a chat um but yeah it's just going to be it's just going to be a cracking race in, in paris like i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to split even even with half Nui's form there in the eight and 15 i, I wouldn't be able to split the top four so with and short fink and half Nui. I, I just wouldn't be able to um it's just gonna it's just a race it's just gonna come down a race um and for these guys in 800 it's it's just a long sprint so it's just you're really only hurting at probably the five, six hundred, seven hundred, and then it's then it's a sprint again. So mm. uh, it's going to be tight, you know. And, and at least uh, we know Sam's going to lead it out for the first half for the first three quarters. So he's going to be pace setter. Someone's going to have to come over the top of him to beat him. But um, can't wait. It's just it's dogfight, you know. When it comes down those races, when it's uh, like a last fifty sprint in anything over like two hundred, and you can probably hear it in some of the commentary, like. That's when you see what people are really made of, you yeah. know. Um, who wants? It's not. I say who wants it, but it's not who wants it. But who can actually, like the Chinese kid, go eye to eye with somebody mm. and swim over the top of them? And that's your that's your champion. That's not just somebody who posts fast times or wins races, but that's that's a champion swimmer. Well, I'm excited for those previous shows, Bobby, when we've got to make the predictions and we've got to, because <laughs> <laughs> usually, uh, as per last time and uh, Takio, it just didn't, yeah, didn't go as well. Um, now, well, I want to wrap it up today with Siobhan Jorge, um, who, you know, we mentioned that she was a big player going into these championships. Um, you also mentioned she was doing breaststroke and then she got bronze uh, in the hundred, yeah. which was, you know, if you didn't really know that she was, um, if you didn't listen or you weren't aware, um, you probably that would have been a surprise to you. Um, how, how did you see her performances over the week? Did anything surprise you or did she perform as per program or what you expected? Yeah, um, she was really good. Obviously got gold in the 200 free, so Hong Kong's first gold medal at the World Championships and she comes away with a gold, silver and a bronze. Um, Times-wise, especially in the freestyle, not as fast as what I thought she could have gone. She was really quick um, at the World Cup late last year, Asian Games and World Cup, and then she, I think she swam the US Open in December and was was flying. So she was probably 
up from Fukuoka through to December. So for five months, she was racing unbelievably quick in that 120 free faster than what she did um, uh, here in, in Doha. So, yeah, it didn't quite um, go as quick as I thought. It would have been good to get those positives, get on the, the podium, race the breaststroke for the first time at world level, get a medal. Um, but she said she she gets better as the racing goes on. So I think we're going to see a lot more racing from her through me and Ostrom and maybe some stuff in the US all the way. There's obviously no Olympic trials for Hong Kong. So she'll look for some good racing opportunities in the lead up to Paris and, and be peaking in Paris. So, yeah, she certainly asserted herself as, as somebody up there, but um, didn't really, you know, break a world record like I called. <laughs> but, you know, I think I called two gold medals. She got a gold, silver and a bronze. Yeah. And, and I called... Cam to win the 50 fly and he got a bronze. So not too, not too far off. What were your bold predictions? I said, I said Jacqueline Barclay would get a, a medal in the 100 back. Oh, she got one in the 200. Close. And, and she yeah. got silver and I predicted a bronze in the 100. So I went close. Yeah. Ina Anderson yeah. Got, um, got some medals as well. So we were close. We, we were pretty good. Off. We were pretty good. Yeah, we're getting better. Yeah. We are improving. <laughs> Um, I want to give a shout-out to Bobby, to the New Zealand team. Erica Fairweather um, had a great week and, and, you know, there's not many people around that when they do really well, I kind of get a really nice feeling about it. She's like, don't don't get me wrong, I don't hate on people, but she's such a lovely person, a lovely kid. She's she's so nice um, that when she does well, I just feel happy. Like I feel really happy for her and, and she's such a great kid and works really hard. Um, I know they come over and do a bit of um, training at the AIS um, and she yeah. gets to do a bit of work with them as well. So it was fantastic to see her um, have a great week and I think get some of the rewards that she's been probably deserving for a while, um, albeit just a really hot field that she's always up against, but this was her yeah. moment. And she seized it. A lot of other people had opportunities this week uh, or last week, sorry, and, and maybe didn't quite seize it, but... She didn't let the opportunity yeah. slip, that's for sure. And then Lewis, Clairbert as well. Um, so New Zealand, um, you know, starting to get some notoriety as well where they've been doing a bit yeah. of hard work for a while. They've got some really good athletes coming through. So it was great to see uh, for, for the Kiwis as well. Yeah, yeah, good. Like you said, it still takes somebody to to win the race and, and become world champion. So Erica's 400 was quicker than what she swam in Fukuoka. So small PB, so I'm sure she's wrapped with that. Gets on the 200 podium for the first time. And an 800 medal as well. So, again, really good week. And I'm not too sure what the qualification window is for New Zealand, but I'm pretty sure that confirms her spot on the Olympic team to the point where she can just knuckle down and, and put her head down, bum up, and train hard for Paris. Mm. Uh, Claire Burt's 400 was world champion, best celebration of the week as well. Um, so, you know, who would have thought two gold medals to New Zealand? Um, and then women's four by two made made the finals. Well, they got fourth. Eve Thomas, who trains in Brisbane, mm-hmm. made a couple of finals. Um, so on the women's side, in that mid distance to distance, they, they don't all train together. They some of them train in Australia, which is which is pretty common. But getting you know taking a big step forward. So you know New Zealand swimming definitely um, probably the strongest it's been in the last two Olympic cycles. Yeah, as we said, I mean, you know, definitely in some of those events, um, especially for Erica, generally speaking, those events are a little bit stronger with the field around her. But as we said, you know, a lot of other events were there for opportunities with swimmers that didn't quite capitalise and 
get that gold medal and, and she didn't let it slip, um, which was fantastic. So congratulations yeah. to those guys. Um, mate, what was your favorite part of the week? We're going to wrap it up now. What was your, what was your favorite? Was it the world record? Was there something else that what was your favorite part? Um, men's four by 200 was, was tight. You know, that was, that was pretty cool. The three, three way race to the finish, you know, us were trying to surprise from, from lane, lane eight, mm. great Britain went in an outside lane as well. Um, just exciting on the relays. And, and that one was probably the, the closest and the best out of all of them. So point point one seven, I think separated the top three. Yeah. And in, in that relay, which, you know, I, I swam on that relay a couple of times and, um, you know, I was never on the four by one, so I don't know what that feels like and who those people in those countries are in the call room, but four by 200, you know, like Australia has a rich history. The U S have dominated for so long and, and Great Britain now have all the star power. Then you've got the emergence of China and Korea, but so many teams capable of putting a strong relay together. And and unlike the four by one, it's on the fifth or sixth day competition. So people are tired. Generally, those individual 200 guys that are in the final don't go as quick as they did individually, just yeah. out of tiredness. And it's so much harder to swim a 200 free to your race strategy when you're swimming second, third or fourth compared mm. to the four by one. Yep. Like you, you might be diving, like Wang Sun-Wu dived in five meters behind the yeah. Chinese kid and had to, he had to front at it. Like you have to change your strategy. You have mm-hmm. to swim differently if you want a different result um, and swim three ways and come out of the top of people. So that one's always exciting for me. And since Phelps and Lochte retired, like one, one really big split can just win it for any team. Mm-hmm. One good split and one bad split can change, change the result for so many teams. So um, it's it's pretty unpredictable, which which makes it fun for me to commentate on. Well, great choice because um, I was on I was on the Korean team once he dived in and I sort of he's picking him up and I'm thinking, geez, he's he's going to get him here. Like, it'll be a close race. The Chinese kid's done a great job. It wouldn't have been any yeah. you know disrespect to the Chinese boy because he'd done a great job. But this is the you know the world champion. He's flying, and then. Yeah, he just he just yeah. holds and he holds. And as you said, he's eyeballing going, nah, I'm not going away. Yeah. It was one of the most impressive things I watched that week um, and something that's pretty scary if you're looking ahead considering he's 16 and what he was able to produce. Yeah. Um, well, so- you got to put, especially in the 4 by 2 you got to put somebody at the end that, that's got long arms. I always like someone with long yeah. arms at the end of a relay, any relay, um, and, and it's got some fight. Like that, that knows that you can dig down, um, dig down deep in that last fifty when it's needed. You know, Australia's more recently their their four by two was good with with Matt Corden at the end. You kind of want a four hundred guy at the end to be able to go out fast if they need to, and they're not going to just totally fall apart and die, hmm. or um, or just do their job solidly from out in front. And I mean, the way that Wang Sun we swam, it's like Ian Thorpe in two thousand four, that one um, in Athens where they. Australia lose, but Thorpey jumps in like two body lengths behind, has to overswim the first 150. And then the US have got their six foot six Cleek Keller at the end, who basically their job is to just wait for you to come and then fight, you yeah. know, and then yeah. fight on that last 50. And, you know, that's the one where Phelps and Lochte in the US beat Australia for the first time. But um, that's, that's what happened to Korea in that situation. And that's where, I mean, in, in, uh, in the women's four by 200, in Tokyo, that big disappointment where they got third when they got Titmus and McKean and absolutely everybody in that field, they let off they let off Ariane Titmus, you know? And they 
they thought, well, we'll just blast them away on the first 200 and then we're mm. swimming from in front. But yeah. if that doesn't happen, which is really hard to do when you come from a 400 to 200 into the relay, if that doesn't happen, it, it's game on. And the other countries know, or if they if they do get a sense that if they lead off Titmus, we just need to just be within a body length and the pressure's on the rest of their swimmers. So um, in that relay, I mean, hindsight's a beautiful thing. I'd probably be looking at anchoring Ariane Titmus mm-hmm. um, in Paris because she's someone, if they're behind, she'll go out front and she'll race. Yeah. If they're in front, well, she's not She's not a rookie. She's not going to die. She's not going to screw up. She's going to get in and do a job. So mm. they should lead off with, with a molly or somebody else and and, and, and anchor with, uh, with Arnie. Uh, it's a good point you make, mate, and it, it makes when you go back and watch some of these great relay swims in the history of swimming and, and there's been some – Obviously, you only have to listen to the beginning of my podcast to, to listen to the 4 by one from yeah. Sydney. When you go back and you watch the discipline that some of these swimmers have to maintain their own, you know, race plans and strategies and not over-swim, as you've just, you know, rightly pointed out, not overcook it, um, make sure it's all happening at the back end of that race. Um, it, it makes it such so much more of a skill and an art rather than, just the common man on the street who just thinks, ah, oh, you know, you'll get up for your relay. Well, everyone gets up for the relay. We get that. But sometimes yeah. do you get too up for it. Do you overcook it in the first 50? Cause you're like, Oh, I'm going to chase them down there in, in lies, you know, the art of it um, at the very top level anyway. Yeah. Just executing in the four by one versus the four by two, just completely different. And the program, the actual, the race, like in a hundred free, like, okay, well, there's one way to I, – I know how to swim my 100 free and it probably hurts for the last 10 seconds, right? Whereas in the 200, your mind's wandering, you're looking around at everybody else, yep. um, the pacing's a little bit harder and you're not in a line with with a normal individual race. So it's it's good. It's exciting and I love I love watching it, especially when it's close. All right. Um, Bobby, thank you very much, mate, for, for joining us today for a wrap-up. And, I mean, you absolutely killed it. You and um, John absolutely smashed it. Oh, Mike, sorry. Um, absolutely smashed it Thanks. over there. And um, as I said, I'm not just pumping your tyres up, people. A lot of people. Shannon told me to make sure I let you know you did a great job. <laughs> um, you're on the the Nine app. I, I hope that um, people out there are listening and, and put you up a little bit higher on the pedestal and start to try and get you involved a little bit more because I think you absolutely kill it. Um, and I'd love to be Thank here you. and commentate Olympics and all that sort of stuff. Um, but... I mean, selfishly, I'm going to have you on off the blocks with me through the Olympics if they're not allowed to, if you're not allowed over there or on it, mate. Um, but absolutely killed it. And I think one of the main things that always helps with your commentary is that you're an absolute fan of the sport. You love it. You love watching it. It comes through in your in your commentary. You're not just there for a paid gig. Um, you've got a you've already got a gig. You're already hardworking, man. So you just do it because you enjoy it. You love it, uh, and it comes through in your commentary, mate. So congratulations on another successful week. And as I said, you're busy enough. But thanks for joining us to uh, to wrap it all up. Thank you. Thanks for the kind words, Robbie. Um, you know, I've, when I was swimming, I used to say, you know, I really love swimming. I'm, I'm passionate about training, racing, all the good experiences that. Uh, all the good and bad experiences that I had. Um, just wanted to soak up what the sport could offer. And I think as a coach, that sort of um, filters through to, to the programs that I've been a part of. And um, and as a commentator as well, if, if that can go through the screen to people watching on TV, just how exciting this is, how excited I am and um, what this means for bigger things in world swimming than, than my job is done. 
No, mate, you're killing it. Congratulations. Enjoy. You don't really get a rest. You're straight back to work and uh, <laughs> loving life over there in Singapore. But enjoy yourself. To all the listeners, thanks for joining us again. Hopefully you enjoyed um, the Doha World Champs as well. Um, I'm so glad it was on the Nine Now app and we got to have access to it a lot more easily. Sometimes these World Champs are a little bit harder if it's not um you know the obviously it's an olympic year too so channel nine are trying to make sure they're doing the right things but luckily for us because we we got access to it um and it was a great week of racing so hopefully you all enjoyed it thanks for joining us on off the blocks again and we'll see you all next time bobby thank you very much mate cool thanks robbie see ya today's episode of off the block swimming podcast is proudly brought to you as always by pro swim workouts Nico and the team at Pro Swim Workouts have been supporters of the podcast from day one and continue to support the show and the coaching community more broadly with their platform, proswimworkouts.com. Head over to the website right now and become a member to receive all the exclusive content, whether it's programming, in and out of the water, thought-provoking articles, or even just sharing of ideas. It is a one-stop shop. And for all those just looking to browse, head over to proswimworkouts.com to find free workouts, podcast tips, jobs available, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? I'll say it one more time. Head over to proswimworkouts.com right now and let Nico know that Off The Block sent you. 